My name is Roger Armstrong, and I was born a psychic child in 1930. And all of my videos are under an intention protection. I call it PIA. And that prevents any misuse of these videos and of the techniques that I talk about in the videos. I lived in northern Pennsylvania for a while. Well, uh, 20 years, I guess that's a while. And on my way to teaching college, I would drive by a man who was using a, an old-fashioned scythe and cutting the grass by the side of the road. Now, since I was raised on a dairy farm summers, on my grandpa's dairy farm, and that's where I refined all my psychic abilities, I used a scythe when I was in my early teens. Because we had horses, and this was in 1935, 1936, and even electricity hadn't gotten to the farm yet. But anyway, that just shows that I have a farm background. So I admire, it's hard to mow grass grass because it doesn't have a stalk. And a scythe cuts best if it's a stalk, like a stalk of wheat. Or even a hay has a stalk. You know? So I was admiring this man for his ability to really cut the grass short by the side of the road. So one day, on my way to work, I stopped because he wasn't there all the time. And I said, hello, my name is Roger. I live at the top of the hill. And I said, I've admired your scythe work because I've worked with a scythe and I know how difficult it is to cut grass because it doesn't have a stalk. He said, well, my name is, well, my name is Jacob and it's mighty neighborly of you to stop and, and, and say hello. And I said, well, that's, that, that's great. And I teach college and I'm on my way, so uh, I'll be seeing you later, Jake. And he said, that's just fine, just fine. So I went off to school, so it became kind of a ritual when I'd see him on my way to school in the morning, I would stop and I'd say, hey, Jake, how you doing? And Jake would look up at me with a twinkle in his eye and he'd say, fair to middling, Roger, fair to middling, considering. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great, Jake. He said, well, have a good day teaching. And I'd drive off. So I mentioned to Mr. Hayes, who had the farm nearby, across the valley, and whose relatives 
homesteaded his land in the 1700s. Uh, my house was on the original 1729 survey of Pennsylvania. You know, so this was an old area of farmers. And so I mentioned to him, what a nice old gentleman that was, uh, Jake, in his, uh, and such a good job with his scythe. And he says, Jake. And I said, yeah, Jacob. He's the old man that works on the side of the road uh, once a week and Moses uh, the grass on the side of the road. He said, Jacob? And I said, yeah, yeah, Ken. He said, Roger, Jacob's been dead for over 30 years. And I laughed and I said, you mean Jacob's a ghost? And he says, evidently. Evidently, you're able to see him. Nobody else does. And I laughed, and I said, you mean Jacob's a ghost? And he says, evidently, evidently, you're able to see him. Nobody else does. Now, from that point on, I was able to see all the ancestors in the valley. And evidently, there was a time rift for me that I could see. And I'd look across the valley, because I was on top of the hill. I'd look across the valley, and I could see them plowing with oxen. I could see them harvesting the grain. I could see them planting cabbages, and the women were helping, and the men were dressed in what we know as colonial clothing, and the women were dressed the same with, with sunbonnets and long dresses and always an apron on. So it became kind of an interesting thing to see what the ancestors were doing. And oftentimes, they were doing the same things we were doing. Now, in the fall, right after school started, uh, the corn would be ready for harvesting. And so, the two rows near my property were saved so that we could have a corn roast party. And the, Scott and Tom, my two sons, and I would pick the corn, leave it in the leave it in the in, in its shocks. And when the time came for our party at the end of the week, we would fill our two canoes with water and put the corn to soak. Then to cook the corn for our party, we would put it in the beds that we had made with fire and had spits above the beds, a roasting uh, suckling pigs. And we generally had three or four suckling pigs. And we'd invite all the neighbors to come 
that we could see and could see me on top of the hill to come for this party. Now, across the valley, in the valley, there'd be another party going on of the ancestors. And after they're having their corn roasts, and when we'd finished ours, they would start their fiddles and their singing and their square dancing. Or they didn't do square dancing as such, they did uh, line dancing. And we would, get chair, we would get our chairs out and put them by the side of the road. I mean, put them on the side of the hill, still on my side of the road. And we'd watch them and we'd sing along with the music. We'd clap our hands in, in, in tune with the fiddles and the line dancing, and we'd wave at them and they'd wave at us. Yeah, really nice. It was interesting to me that the time rift was actual. And I had had experience with time, of course, because previous to that, is when I taught in Michigan, and I taught at Roosevelt School, and I have videos, previous videos, that talk about that in my uh, psychic training. At, at that time, we were doing remote viewing, and I taught all my art students, uh, fourth grade through twelfth grade, there are about 300 students, and I taught them all how to RV, remote view. Now, the people in the valley were not remote viewing. I wasn't remote viewing them. They were existing. But other than re remote viewing where you project your mind and sight out away from your body. The other two out-of-bodies that we can do are astrol, S-T-R-O-L, and that's where you project or release energy from your body and oftentimes you do it at night in a lucid dream state or you can do it during a daydream state which is my favorite and in the astral state it's wispy you're a you're a traditional ghost form. Now, a lot of folks use it when they fly about at night. Now, I did a, a remote viewing workshop here in Ashland, Oregon. That's where I uh, am living now. And I had about 100 people show up. And I led them through 
a remote viewing exercise. So by the end of the first half hour, uh, they could all remote view. Now what I taught them was what I taught my, high, my uh, uh, school kids to do was to enter paintings. Now, in talking about astral and astral and that kind of thing, one of the reasons I'm doing it is the underlying interest that I have in those is that I can time travel. I can use all three to visit other cultures. And this is kind of an interest a serious interest of mine. And in other videos, I've talked about the spiral people and how I got interested in those by meeting an ancestor who was in Egypt and then her descendants or children were part of the spiral farmers that I like to visit. Now the spiral farmers and cornflower, she the the ancestor in Egypt, were all members of a actually employees in a sense of a galactic corporation. Now, pragmatically, every planet or most planets have evolved, the cultures on them have evolved into a dominant group. So you have some planets that are very religious, Islamic. You have some planets that are uh, totally Christian or different parts of the Christian faith. Now the corporation that they are a member of was the Ginkgo Corporation. And they're of importance because they have the contract or had the contract to develop, to terraform Earth. At the time of the demise of the dinosaurs. Interesting. Now, part of their contract at that time was to develop a mammal environment so that humans could develop and live there rather than the reptilian environment which was a fern environment 
of the dinosaurs. The Ginkgo Corp lost its uh, contract or franchise through political movement, uh, maneuvering in the uh, 1800s. And that gave rise to our corporations and the careless use of our Earth's resources. Now, recently, as, as politics happened, the pendulum swings back and forth. The pendulum swung back for uh, protecting Earth because its resources were being ravaged and that became a point of contention in the Galactic Federation. So in uh, August, the Ginkgo Corp uh, got the contract to further develop Earth and control its resources more and make it more the ideal planet that it could be. Now it was through the spiral people and the spiral farmers who were still members of the Ginkgo Corp in those days and they were warriors and trained engineers and trained scientists and their headquarters was in Moldova and in Moldova are the oldest trees that have existed in our world. So, and there is indication of farmers there that farmed in spirals. Now a lot of their land was taken when the Black Sea became the Black Sea. And there was a earthquake or cataclysm. Uh, some folks think it was when Atlantis blew up uh, that opened up uh, the Black Sea, which was a, uh, an inland lake uh, as the Mediterranean was and opened up the Mediterranean to become an ocean or sea. And then the Black Sea became salty and, and uh, uh, evolved as, as, as that and expanded the size of it. So a lot of their coastal land on the Black Lake, in a sense, was uh, taken. As a astral, 
in visiting my relatives there. I got to know one family quite well, uh, a, a direct descendant of, uh, of uh, 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 sunflowers, was named Lily. And her husband was Rita. And uh, two uh, children, one uh, was uh, thorn bush or thorn tree, and the other was linden bush. Now, most of the names of the people then are also telepathic icons. And when you're telepathic and you talk in pictures, why you need to identify who you are, and so your icon is used either before or after your a projected visual statement. Now I'm telepathic, and my icon is uh, my uh, is my warrior name, and that's uh, Rodgar. And it basically it means, uh, let's see, an anime of a spear piercing a metal shield to one-third of the spear's length, shaft's length. And so that's my identification uh, that I use. In talking about the out-of-bodies, and again, underlying it all is time and time travel. And these are examples of that psychic ability. Now, I'm in astral when I visit uh, the spiral people and, and Rita's family and Lily's family. And I talk about this at great length in uh, previous videos, so I won't go into it again so much. But the question is that I'm trending towards now with this video is can we influence time? And that was a concern of mine. Uh, when I visit a culture, am I changing that culture and changing history? Uh, the old uh, philosophy of if a butterfly uh, flaps its wings in Indiana, uh, there's a uh, hurricane or a typhoon in China, you know. Now, I don't think that takes place. In the grand scheme of things, it takes a, uh, it takes a major event to cause a, a, a change in direction of time's intention. 
But nevertheless, with my appearance in the Spiral Valley, Moldova, they were uh, rid of course, and I made no secret of my being there. And I toured the country to see what it was all about and what was being offered. It's also the corporate headquarters of the Ginkgo Fruit Corp on Earth. And so the executive of Ginkgo Corp in charge of Earth was interested in meeting me to see what my intentions were. were, I, were was I going to try and ex exploit my knowledge ab about this? Uh, was I an advanced guard of people that were going to come and, and disrupt things or take over things or colonize? Now, since, since Ginkgo Corp had the had the franchise or had the, the contract to develop Earth, no one else was allowed to do this. So uh, the head of the, of the Ginkgo Corp in the Valley, a woman by the name of Ginkgo Fruit, uh, asked Rita, if he could arrange a meeting with me. And so in the corporate fashion, let's do lunch, we had a meeting. Uh, it, it turned out that ginkgo fruit was very understanding and was very interested in my ability to astral from the future to that particular location. And so she and I became good friends and she realized that it was not a threat, that I was relatively discreet, that I wasn't a front for another corporation to come and take over things, that I was just an interested individual. Now what's interesting is that the Russians recently, within the last two years, discovered that there is a group of an unknown of villages from an unknown civilization that covered all across the northern part of Siberia. And the way they discovered these people is that these people farmed in spirals. And they named them Disnovians. And the Max Planckett Institute in uh, Germany, in Berlin, does DNA studies and identified the Disnovian genes, which they found in, in some of the 
uh, uh, bones that they unearthed that were very well preserved in Siberia. And that we have four to eight percent of our DNA is from uh, this group culture of people with astral going across time ranges I'm able to visit several different places. Now the furthest I've gone back in time is uh, was uh, started by an article in a scientific magazine that said that they had uncovered the earliest Neanderthal caves in South Africa in 300,000 BC. Now I had had visited that group because again we have uh, three to five percent Neanderthal genes in our in our uh, in our our bodies, so we're connected. So it was easy to go back to them and visit their culture. And they were part of the earliest colonists that I know of, put there by uh, uh, the Ginkgo Corporation, again to introduce plants and animals and mammals into uh, to Earth's reptilian environment. Other than astral and the ghost form and flying around at night, but it's an interesting form because you can go into things. If you're playing, uh, and we, we would go up and play games and we would hide in clouds. If we, if we brought the game down to a forest, we could hide inside of trees because that's what ghosts can do. Now the other form is astral, S-T-R-A-L, and it's a solid form. Now, the ghost form is really nice because you can't be injured. Now, the astral form, you can be injured. Now, sometimes I don't know quite how to say this, because it sounds a bit outrageous. But I guess this whole video series is outrageous, so what does it matter? But all my, a lot of my past lives, I was a warrior. 
And I was a Roman centurion and had a company of, of, of warriors that I led. I usually was on uh, a at least a sergeant or uh, an officer within those range within those time frames but it, i was a syrian a viking lots of different cultures now the idea of a warrior is you can you are in most cultures being a warrior you have the opportunity to be upward mobile Otherwise, as a peasant or as a tradesman, you're stuck there and you aren't expected to be anything else but a shoemaker. But if you had land, you could be a farmer and you had more rights in terms of access to the society having your own land. It was a status thing. Now with that warrior experience and my psychic abilities, I was asked by my guardian if I would be interested in fighting for the Galactic Federation of Light. Now they had a volunteer group of retired warriors so I wouldn't be in their regular army and so I said sure I'd be interested in that and I had a shield then this is only about 10 or 12 years ago I had a shield then a personified warrior shield uh, and her name is uh, Rogas. And she was all excited about that. And she was, I think, the instigator with, with Guardian requesting that because she likes that kind of stuff. That's what she does. So we would go out on call in astral form, a solid form with warrior gear and I would pick up fighting implements at the site where we were going to that we were going to defend. Now what the galactic warrior group defended were terraced pyramids and the center of the pyramid was a, oh, what a beam of energy, very, very large beam of energy, maybe two or three hundred yards across. So our terrace was round, different levels leading up to this galactic fountain of energy. Now these were prime power points in the galaxy and they were under contention often. And so they would be attacked and other groups would try and take them from the Galactic Federation. So we would go and defend them 
Now, in this group, we were all in astral, but we're all solid. And we were notified at the beginning of each, when we arrived, we had one commander. We're all telepathic, so we can easily move from one section of the circular ziggurat, is what it would be called, uh, to where the battle was the most intense and shift back and forth. Now, uh, Rogas is a five-layer commander shield, and the layer she liked the most was a mirrored kaleidoscope. So when you looked at us, you would see glittering vertical forms that would be constantly changing. Now, the purpose of this, of course, is to reflect energy. If there were any energy bolts thrown at us, they would be reflected back to the sender. But our, the, the group that we battled the most were minions. And they were a large toad-like creature, uh, a little bit larger than a St. Bernard dog or a Great Dane, uh, more of the size of a small pony. And they hopped rather than walked, and they had uh, ferocious teeth. And they had some weapons, but not very many, because they depended on their mass group to overcome. So we would be fighting these people or these beings, because they were really relatively mindless, but they had handlers off in the distance. Mm. Uh, this is an example of the out-of-body, what, how can I put it, forms. Now, RV, your soul doesn't go along. And of course, you can't be injured at all because you're just an energy. You can't be trapped. Uh, you can uh, go into things and see what they see as a form of, I call it, participation. Or you can just be a standard observer. Uh, the astral people, of course, Again, no soul, but your personality went along. And you couldn't be injured either. Now, in astral, your personality goes along. And there are two forms, one of which is the one I use, where my soul goes with me, and the other is a common form with lots of different people, but it's a cord 
a very flexible, thin, flexible cord that's attached to your resting body, your corporal body, and your astral body. And your astral body, it's on your tailbone, and on your corporal body, it comes out of basically where your belly button is. Now, I have several friends that like to go out, and, and uh, uh, one of them is a galactic bounty hunter. And he goes to different planets and uh, uh, protects villages from, a, from an animal or a beast uh, that is terrorizing them. And he goes and uh, he's, uh, has a, he has a cord. And the advantages of his cord is that if he gets heavily threatened, the cord will snap him back so he's not in danger anymore. Where when I would go out, if I'm being threatened, I'm pretty much on my own. Though I'm pretty good at shifting around through portals, so I, I don't worry about things. Because it's through a portal is how I evolve my technique for going out of body. Exploring time is a, 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 a mindset of psychic ability. And it's not difficult to go astral or RV or, uh, or astral. Usually when I go and visit a culture, I'll go in a remote viewing first. And I'll see what the culture is about and familiarize myself with it. Uh, if it's of interest to me and I think that they're going to be receptive to me, then I'll open up my mind and contact one of them uh, telepathically and tell them why I'm contacting them, blah, 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 and go through that whole introduction scenario. And usually I get a, a, a positive response. And oftentimes it'll be the shaman that I'm contacting. And so uh, I'll be able to visit him then or her uh, as uh, an astral first, because I'm very cautious about things, and talk with them. And even as a, a ghost form, I can form uh, uh, close to a body, close to what I look like, and arrange that energy. Then if I'm well received and I want to interact physically with them, then I'll switch 
and go astral. Now I'm experienced enough that I can switch between all three uh, in a relatively short time. So I can contact them telepathically, RV first. If I'm being accepted, then I can go ghost form. And if I continue to be accepted and they aren't upset at that, then I'll go astral form and interact. Now astral form, I can eat their food. You know, I'm a solid, I'm a solid person. The only difference is that I'm a half shade off their color of reality. No. Now I've done this locally. I had a, uh, a, a, a girlfriend that I met uh, at a convention of, of uh, metalsmiths. That's basically what I am as a goldsmith in this reality, a teacher of goldsmithing. Retired now, of course. So now I'm teaching the psychic abilities to people. But she and I would uh, call each other on the telephone and she would hide, our game was she would hide a red ball somewhere in the, her apartment. She had a loft in New York City, quite a large loft, where she had her art studio and sculpture studio. And I would tell her where it was. But this is, this is an example of uh, again, uh, going to other locations. Now, going back to ginkgo fruit, when ginkgo fruit found that I was okay and I was, didn't front any corporations, uh, uh, she and I became friends. But I still am intrigued with the whole idea of time and what time is and how it works. And I used to use, and it, it still is, is applicable. when I describe time to people, I say it's like we're sitting on the edge of a stream and we put our hand in the water and as we look, we can see the effects of the water, of our hand, that our hand had on the water. And that's our past. Now we look over our shoulder and look upstream, and we can see all of the possibilities that are coming that might touch our hand that could be all kinds of events that we can't really determine as being actual until it actually touches our hand. So I don't believe in, in fortune telling as being accurate because there are too many probabilities that are approaching us. 
and the longer the distant you're looking at, the less likely it is to happen. Now you can RV ahead of you can RV into the future, but if you do, you don't know what timeline you're looking at. And some of them are very similar to what we are now, but there are events that take place that will change this reality. Right. Interesting, interesting. Time is in the past, it is what it is. And I don't think that it's changeable. Yeah, I don't think that it's changeable. I had to stop and reflect, did I really think it's not changeable? Yeah, I don't think it's really changeable. Oh, I'm recording in, this, in my uh, art studio, uh, part of my apartment. So uh, you'll get a, a, a little uh, a panoramic shot of the art that I've been doing. So what I like to do is draw energy. Because when I look at things, that's what I can see when I RV into them. I see their energy. So, uh, with Dan Shaw, who is my uh, video master here, uh, doing the recording.